They've got something cool going on up here. Very exciting. Well, happy Easter to everybody. To those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Fondren, and I just want to say good morning. And if you're new to us, we've been praying for you for a very long time. I hope that you have been encountering God's presence, his love this morning, his healing power. If you are new, there is a guest card. It looks like this. You can find it in your bulletin. This is also our prayer request card, by the way. If you do have a prayer request, you can also fill this out. But if you are a guest this morning, I just ask that you fill it out. And before you leave, if you take it to the welcome desk, which is in the far right corner in the lobby as you leave the sanctuary, you can turn it in for a little gift card to show our appreciation of you this morning. So fill that out if you can, and we just want you to encourage you to keep coming back. A um, couple announcements. Next Sunday, there's going to be a baptism class because on May 5th, we're going to do baptism in the first and second service. So sign up at the welcome desk or online. Um, and then there are five videos available online to, um, to watch to kind of teach you more about baptism, why you're doing it, so that you can be educated on that. And then the class before you get baptized, Pastor Tim asks that you come to that next Sunday at 6 p.m. here at the church. And then if you have a child who's getting baptized, there's a book specifically um, geared towards children that you can pick up right back at the welcome desk this morning too. And then the last announcement this morning, I hope you all come back for Mother's Day because they're doing something extra special. They're going to be having um, a complimentary family portrait by a professional photographer. So come on in, bring your mothers, bring your grandmothers, your aunts, anybody, any woman who's special in your life that's been a mentor. Come on back for that because there's going to be an extra special service. And now Pastor Tim is going to preach us the gospel this morning. Yeah. Happy Easter. Am I on? Yeah, happy Easter, everyone. He is alive. He's resurrected. Our hope is in a good place, okay? Our hope is in a living Savior. And every week we are trying to memorize a verse together. This week's verse is probably one of the most favorite ones I have for Easter Sunday. It's John eleven twenty five, And I shortened it up a little bit for you. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Everybody say that with me. I am the resurrection and the life. And here's the kicker. He who believes. <laughs> Told you it was a kicker. <laughs> he who believes in me will live. Okay. He who believes in me. Do you want me to use a different mic? We're okay. All right. He who believes in me will live. This is not just about. Uh, the end of our life, dying, and then all of a sudden we're in God's presence, we're in heaven. Yeah, that's a big deal, and it is about that, but it's way more than that. It is right now. He who believes in me will live. Will live. Okay? Just think about that this week. Meditate on that. In any part of your life that's not living, speak that word over your part, that part of your life, and say, hold on a minute. Jesus said, he who believes in me will live. My marriage will live. My finances will live. My body will live. My mind will live. I will be awakened. I will be filled with life from heaven. Okay? It is a living hope that we have in Jesus. So what's the big deal about Easter? Um, I, got a, I got a couple of things I want to sh share with you about four different main big deals about Easter. But let me just kind of propose a couple of questions to you. Is Easter just a story or is it a new reality that has come to earth okay think about that is easter about a famous event in history or the beginning as um uh, uh megan was saying or the beginning of mankind's reconciliation with god 
you see what I'm going with this? Is Jesus a historical hero or is he my living Lord and Savior? Okay? Do I know about Jesus, the story of Easter, or do I know Jesus? Do I know him? Am I experiencing Easter? Am I experiencing God and his resurrection life? So the first big deal about Easter is Jesus' resurrection validated his claims to be the Son of God and the means of our salvation. He validated it, and when uh, God raised him from the dead, we found out that everything he had to say was true. It was truth. All of his teachings were true. Why? Because God just raised him from the dead. And he said that's what was going to happen. And his disciples didn't really understand all that at the time. We see that when we look at the Gospels and we read that they didn't understand it. And then after he rose from the dead, he came back and he had to reteach them, say, do you see now what I was saying about suffering and why I had to suffer? And yet I wouldn't remain in the tomb. And, and now because I'm alive, everything I've told you is true. And I'm going to heaven. And guess what? I will come back for you. Right? So you can believe in that too. That's why this is such a big deal. Um, one of the things I want to share with you today is something I've shared in the past. And in the first sentence in the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And so in English, we have this idea of heavens and the earth, the last four words of the first sentence in the Bible. And in Hebrew, this word heavens is a word that's called hashemayim, okay? And the, and the word for earth is ha'aretz. And there's one little three-letter word between these two that is translated and the, but it's not really, that's not what it really means at all. It's just us making smooth English out of Hebrew, okay? What this little word is, is three letters. It's vav, it's aleph, and it's tav. I know you might not know Hebrew. Uh, just trust me on this. That's what it is. It's these three letters. And Hebrew is, is uh, read and written right to left. So that is actually vav, aleph, tav. And in Hebrew, aleph is the first letter in the aleph bet. That's where we get our, our name alphabet from Hebrew, aleph, aleph bet. And the last letter in the Hebrew language is tav. Okay? First letter, last letter. You with me so far? So there's a verse that Jesus says in Revelation 22, 13. And he says this. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now, Alpha and Omega is a different language. Okay, so we've got to kind of sort through some language barriers to get what Jesus is really saying. So that's Greek. And the first letter in the Greek alphabet is Alpha. The last letter in the Greek alphabet is omega. Did Jesus speak Greek? Hmm, probably not, probably not a whole lot. What he would have spoken is Hebrew. Hebrew. He wouldn't have, I don't think he would have said, I am the Aleph or the Alpha and Omega. He would have said, I am the Aleph Tav. In English, we would say, I am the A to Z. I am the beginning and the end. You see what I'm saying? So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that he is the Aleph Tav. He's this word that's between 
heaven and earth in the first sentence of the Bible. He is this word. So we could say Jesus, this is Jesus right here. Jesus, so in the beginning, God created the heavens, and then there's Jesus here and the earth. And I want to share with you one last little thing before we go on and get back to English, okay? It's this letter. This letter is Vav. It's an extra letter there, and it's an ancient picture of a nail or a tent peg, and it represents connecting, securing, like a securing a tent to the ground, connecting a board to another board, hammering a nail, and, you know, we connect stuff. So this really means to connect or secure or, you know, bridge. And Jesus is saying this. This is what I want to share with you. He is from heaven. He came to earth. Get me? Jesus came from heaven to earth, and he is the one who connects earth back to heaven. Isn't this awesome? When Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one gets where? No one gets to the Father, no one gets back to heaven except through through me. Why? Because I am the Aleph Tav. I am the one who came from heaven to rescue earth, to take earth back to heaven. Isn't that awesome? And all of his claims became true when God from heaven validated on earth what Jesus said was true by raising him from the dead and declaring him he is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the only one who paid for our sin and was validated and that sacrifice accepted on, on, on God's behalf, on your behalf, through Jesus. So isn't that awesome? The second big deal about the resurrection is that his resurrection defeated the devil. Can you get excited about that? Defeated the devil, okay? Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The cross has the final word. What happened at the cross was Satan's defeat, not Jesus' defeat. He paid for your sin and my sin completely. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The devil's work was sin deceiving us into veering away from God. Remember in the Garden of Eden? Oh, God didn't really say that, did he? Oh, that's not really going to happen, did it? Is it? No, believe me. Don't believe God. This isn't, that's not true. This is, this is better over here. You could be like God yourself. You don't have to have a God over you. You can decide what's right and what's wrong. And that's sin. That's veering off the target of life. That's going rogue. That's going independent from God thinking that somehow we could be God? Does anybody see anybody doing that today? Do you see our world thinking, that, hey, I'm in control. I'll decide who I am. I'll decide what's right. I'll decide what's wrong. That's the devil's work. I'm not saying that person's the devil. I'm saying the devil is out to destroy us, to lie to us, to get us to believe uh, those untruths. And so as a church, what is our, our, our mission here, part of our mission? is to grow up into all of the victory that Christ has purchased for us on the cross. We have victory. We can learn how to walk in victory. Yes, we still have a battle. We still have an enemy. He's still fighting. He's still lying. He's still stealing. He's still trying to control us and manipulate us. But the bottom line is we have victory. And the more you learn who you are 
and what Christ has done, the more victory you're able to gain in your life. Can I get an amen on that? We live in victory. We can live in increasing victory. Jesus said this, said it this way in Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. So I'm not there yet. Are you there yet? But I'm a lot farther than I used to be. Do you see what I'm saying? We're moving the ball down the field. There's a touchdown waiting to happen. And you have to fight. You have to press forward. You have to grow. You have to discover what is your victory. What is true? What is lies? Oh, that's not true? That's a lie? Oh, I don't have to live that way anymore. I can put a new truth into place and experience more victory in my life. That's why we're here. We're pressing in. We're growing. We're exercising our faith. Okay, the third big deal about the resurrection is Jesus' resurrection broke sin's power over us, and we have freedom. We have freedom. This is very similar to victory. Freedom comes at a cost. It comes at a price. We have to learn how to be free. We have to learn how to be renewed in our thinking. We have to be humble and willing to grow and, and listen and, and be changed. But we can have freedom. How many of you have tasted some freedom in your life because of what Christ has done for you? Amen? Awesome. Awesome. We have freedom. This is what uh, the Bible says, Colossians 2, 13 to 14. He, Jesus, forgave us all. Everybody say all. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. That was against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. This is like someone has a Mueller report on you. You know what I'm talking about? An investigation has been done. And all of your secret motives, emails, text messages, even thoughts and imaginations, your very worst days and worst thoughts have been captured and written down. It's a Mueller report. And you're freaking out. And the Mueller report comes to God, the righteous judge of all the earth, who sees clearly who can sort through what's real and what's not, and yet he sees, and guess what? It's not a prediction or anything. I'm just saying. According to scriptures, we fall short. We have failed. We know it. Some of those things may be embellished a little bit by the devil, but we fall short. The Bible says that what Jesus has done for you is he took all of that upon himself. He paid for all of your mistakes and your sin. And he took it with him to the cross. It was nailed on the cross with him. And all your sins have been forgiven. Wow. You have a clean slate. You were guilty and now you are forgiven. Okay? You were guilty. Now you have been forgiven. Your chains have been broken off. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom. That Christ has set us free. It's for you to now live in that freedom now. The reason why you have been forgiven is so that you don't have to live in sin any longer. You don't have to live in that pain or that bondage anymore. It's so that you can actually learn how to live a different life. A life of fullness, of love and joy and peace. 
And that's what Jesus done for, uh, did for us at the resurrection, okay? Fourth big deal is Jesus' resurrection defeated death and guaranteed our future resurrection, okay? He made possible for you and for me eternal life, eternal life. And here's what the thing about eternal life. It doesn't start when your physical body ends, okay? Eternal life starts the moment that you cross over from independent, uh, self-centered living to Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I trust in him with my whole life. The moment you cross over that line and you confess your faith in him, eternal life has now just begun for you. And the Bible says that our life is like the light uh, uh, shining uh, to the light of dawn. It gets better and better like today. The sun is going to shine. You guys happy for the sunshine coming? It's going to get brighter and brighter. It's going to warm up. It's going to be a beautiful day, especially after this week we've had. 38 degrees or whatever yesterday, rainy, cloudy. Today the sun is shining. Now the Bible says your life is like that rising sun. It is getting brighter and brighter until the day Jesus comes back. Why? Because if you're pressing in to what God has for you, you're going to see increasing victory, increasing freedom, and eternal life has already begun for you. Amen. We don't have anything to worry about. So Paul writes this in Ephesians, and he's praying this prayer. I love this prayer. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I pray, I'm going to just pray this over you now as I read it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, the hope to which he has called you. You have something called a living hope. It's alive. It's going to happen. He continues, the riches that you might understand, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Not just when you die, but right now. The riches that Jesus has purchased for you and the kind of life he's, he's made possible for you to live in right now. Paul continues to pray, and he says, and that you would understand his incomparably great what? Power. The power of the cross for all of us who believe in him. Running out of room. Let's put it right here. Power. He says this power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So we look at these words on the stage. These are words that represent the power and the reality of the resurrection of Christ for us. My question is, are you experiencing these things, or is it just a story? These things are meant to be experienced. This is who we are. This is what we have. This is how we are to be experiencing a new life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? And it happens, and it needs to happen if you put this last word into practice. Okay? This last word. Paul says it this way. He says, all of these things are for us. Who, going to get there, it's 
It's going to happen. It's happening. We're going to have to rearrange things a little bit. And that looks good. For us who what? Believe. Let me just read a couple of scriptures for you. And if you have your log notes or you can see them on the screen, every time you see this word, I want you to say it with me. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. believes. Romans 10.9, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. John 3, 16. I love this one. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe Stands condemned already because he hasn't believed in God's one and only Son. John 11, our verse for today and this week. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, even though their body stops working. You have something called eternal life in him. It says, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? There are hundreds of scriptures in the New Testament. This is a big number, by the way. When I do word searches, I don't usually see a word pop up this many times. There are over 200 verses in the Bible with the word believe in the New Testament alone. What does that mean? Because uh, we just read some pretty powerful promises that if I believe, if I'm believing, then I will be saved, uh, I'll have eternal life, that I won't die, that I'll have these promises of God in my life, uh, you know, I'll have the power, the riches, uh, the hope. Uh, so I want to make sure I'm, I'm one of those, a believer. I want to make sure I'm believing, whatever that is. What does it mean to believe? And uh, I, think about, I think about a gym membership. <laughs> so in America, did you know this? There's $1.8 billion a year that is wasted on gym memberships that are not used at all. $1.8 billion. How many of you want to own a fake gym somewhere? Let's just open a virtual gym. Let's just say, for all of you who want to waste your money on not coming to the gym, sign up for my gym. We're going to call it a virtual gym. You can tell people you're going to the gym, and all you got to do is type in our address, and you went to the gym, and I'll get some money. Sound like a good idea? Over 53% pay even if they aren't going to use their gym membership. Uh, one stat, and I don't know if I believe it or not, says 80% of Americans who have a gym membership do not use the gym. So here's the deal. I think about that. People want a membership to a gym because they want to be healthier. But signing up to be a member of a gym doesn't make you healthier. 
What makes you healthier is showing up, lifting weights, running some laps, swimming some lengths, right? Walking some laps, playing, playing some racquetball or basketball, showing up. That's what makes a person healthy. And I think about the word belief. This morning, I was just, just curious. I looked up some stats real quick just this morning. 75, that back in 2015, 75% of Americans would say they believe in Christianity. 75%. Uh, and so I'm like, what, is that, what does that even mean? It's like, to me, it's like a gym membership. How many of those people are actually exercising their faith? are coming to church, are reading the Bible. We're not practicing a religion, but how many, of you, how many of those folks actually know Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, okay? Not just a gym membership. So what am I saying? You know, is it, is, did Jesus die and all of this Easter stuff and our whole faith based on so that you would sign up to have a church membership? So that you would say, hey, that's a good story. I like that story. I like that God. Call me a Christian. I'll take it. And then go on and not have hope or victory or freedom or any life change at all. To not be transformed at all. But just have a gym membership. Do you see what I'm saying? No. That's not why Jesus came. So that you would just have a membership. Does he want you in his family? Of course. Of course, but there's so much more than just signing up. So much more than just saying, yes, I'll, I'll pray a prayer and I'll have Jesus as Lord in my, my life and then I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, I got the membership. But I'm going to go on and just continue living life without the benefits of the health, and the vitality, the abundance that God actually made possible for me. And so... Jesus came that you might experience life and have it to the full. To believe without trusting and following and obeying Jesus is to sign up for a gym membership and never come. You can't get healthy by sitting at home, right? Eating a bag of chips, watching the game. And you can't experience the fullness of what God has done for you without developing your relationship with him. Because this is not about a religion. You know, the religion was around a lot longer than Jesus when he showed up. It had already, the religion was already there. Jesus didn't come to create a new religion for us. He came to give us a relationship. Can I get an amen? amen? Do you know him or is he just a hero? Are you experiencing the story or do you just like the story? Do you have some truth in your life, some power, some freedom? Are you experiencing the riches of God's favor in your life? Or is that just part of Jesus' story? You see, he came to set us free, to fill us with new hope, new life, and to transform us. James put it this way, if you just have faith, faith by itself, and you say, yeah, I believe, but there's no action, that there's no conviction, there's no movement towards that faith. He says, your faith is dead. It's, it's useless. It's not, it has no power. It's not changing your life. If you say, I believe, but you have no action, 
then you're, you're really not, let me just be very clear, you're really not doing the believing that these verses are talking about. That's a different definition of believe. Because the definition I think some people say is, I agree, yeah, okay, Jesus did that, okay, I agree, thank you for saving me, and then we go on. The believing here and throughout all of Scripture, Jesus is saying is, come to me, follow me, abide in me, obey me, you will experience life and love and freedom and power and riches, I came to give you life, let's go. It's a relationship. You see? And so I was looking at some of the statistics here. Out of the 75% of Christians uh, in America, 37%, which I thought was actually higher than I expected, attend church. So almost half of the people who say they believe come to church. So that, what about the other half? It says uh, over 50% of people who say they're Christians Read a little or none of the Bible. Read a little or none of the Bible. So millions and millions of people are saying, I believe, but there's no action to their faith. And so how can we overcome the deceitfulness of the enemy and the the trickiness of the enemy who is lying to us all the time? And how can we experience the fullness of what God has done for us if we're not Growing and studying and, and coming and showing up and exercising our faith. Are you, and these are, this is not for you to be a good religious person. This is for you to find out the resurrection power of God is for you too. To transform us and to make us new in him. And so I love this saying, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people by providing a religion for them to follow. Jesus came to make dead people alive, right? By, by providing himself for each and every one of us. Last week I mentioned this verse, John 12, 46. Jesus said, I am come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Jesus came to actually transform us from light to darkness, from death to life, from poverty to to riches, from sickness to health, from lost to found, from broken to wholeness, to transform our lives right now, right here, to experience his resurrection power. And so I think about this word believe, and I just want to be as clear as I can. To say I believe is not the same thing as to be a believer. Be a believer. Don't say I'm a believer. Be one. Be one. Believe. Press into God. Grow your faith. And so my challenge is I kind of wrap up uh, this, this service here today. My challenge is if you say you are a believer, then be a believer. And for those of you who are visiting today, If you don't have a home church, my challenge for you is to come to church the next three weeks. Come every Sunday and begin to establish your active membership as a believer. Okay? Take a step. I'm talking very practical challenge here. Come to church 
show up so you can grow up. Okay? If we show up, we can grow up. I'm not saying that you're immature. I'm not saying that to anybody in here. I'm saying we've got to show up so we can put some meat on the bones. Right there, Steve. Yeah. Show up so you can grow up. Right here, man. Okay? And that's how we come alive. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Being in his presence. Being sharpened by one another's fellowship. Learning how to give and serve. And learning the truths that God has for us. This is how we come alive. Memorizing his verses, his scripture. Reworking our thinking and our patterns of life. So my challenge is to come to church. Today, if you don't know, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, today, your challenge for me is be a believer. Accept him by surrendering your life to him. It's not just, oh, I believe, I like that, I want my sins forgiven, I want to feel good. Well, that's fine, everybody wants that. But the, the, the deal that's on the table says, surrender lordship of your life to Jesus. That's the deal. Do you see what I'm saying? Because right now, there are people who, who are Lord of their own lives. They are a God unto themselves. That's how we all have been at one point or another. I call the shots. I do what I want to do. I'm in charge. I trust in myself. And that's not the offer God makes. The offer God makes is you surrender ownership of your life. You trust in me. I'm Lord. I'm your creator, and I love you, and I'm smarter than you, and I have a better plan for you than you have for yourself, and you need to yield, surrender, trust me with your life, and you will come alive. Jesus said it this way, that to gain your life in, in the kingdom, you have to lose it. But if you keep it, you lose it, right? And so today, my offer to you is, this, is the offer of the gospel where Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, heavy burdened, you're worn out, you're beat up, come to me and you can find rest for your souls, right? Would you stand with me as we close our, our service this morning? I want to uh, just celebrate yesterday's uh, event. Um, we had that cute little video there, and uh, at the end of the video, uh, in the other, the one that we showed yesterday, I, I made a very short presentation of the gospel, and uh, we had several people that received uh, the gospel yesterday through that video and uh, accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and uh, we celebrate that decision with them, and we, gave, we, we were going to send them this book here, called Your New Life. And if you're here this morning and, and you're ready to get right with God and to surrender your life to Him, today's your day to experience the forgiveness of God and to begin to experience the resurrection power of God in your life as well. And I want to lead you in a prayer like I did on that video for those yesterday who just followed along, but their heart was engaged and their desire was to know God and to be right with Him. And if that's your desire, I want to lead you in a prayer right now this morning, okay? Would you bow your heads with me, please? And uh, if that's you, say, Pastor, I want to know God. I want to experience the power of this resurrection you're talking about. I don't want to just know the story. I want to know the one who rose from the dead on my behalf and had that same freedom 
and that same hope and that, the, the same truth and the victory and the freedom that you're talking about. I want that in my life. And if that's you today, then you can become a believer. You can decide to surrender your heart to him. And as one of the verses I mentioned to you said, Jesus said, God so loved the world, he so loves you, that, that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you wouldn't perish, but you could have eternal life in him if you believe in him, if you put your trust in him, if you surrender the lordship of your life to Jesus. So if that's you and you're making that decision this morning, would you just lift your hand right where you are? I just want to agree with you and celebrate that decision that you're making today. Just go ahead and lift your hand right now real high so I can just see you and and celebrate with you. All right, awesome. And I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And we're going to pray this prayer. You could just kind of whisper it out loud. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And we're just going to just receive Jesus and his love into our lives. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this. Say, Jesus, thank you that you came to rescue me, to reclaim me for God. Today, I want to receive you. I want to welcome you into my life by surrendering the ownership of my life to you as Lord. I declare, Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer. Thank you for living, dying, and raising again that I can be fully alive in you. Today, let your resurrection power fill me and drive out darkness and brokenness and hurt and lies so I can be free, have your victory, and live in your truth. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We want to sing a song to end our service. And uh, I would like to invite you to forward during this song. If you just want prayer for anything up here, any area of your life, you just want another taste of the resurrection power of Jesus released into your life. Jesus said, I came uh, as a light into this world so that no one who believes in me would have to remain in darkness. No area of your life has to remain in bondage. No area of your life has to remain in defeat. None none of it. And so today, by faith, come forward for prayer before you go and experience, again, the resurrected power of our Lord and Savior. This service was never meant for us to just remember Easter. This service is designed, and every Sunday it's designed for you to experience the presence of your living Savior. to to taste and see him. And so this morning as we worship, you may want to come forward for prayer. You may want to just come forward and uh, take a moment with God. You may want to stay there and just just soak it in, his presence. But I want to invite you forward. And if you prayed that prayer this morning to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to come forward too. 
I want to give you this book, and I want to hug you and celebrate with you, welcome you into the family of God, into the family of God, all right? Why don't you guys go ahead and lead us as we worship.